0: I think in this time, like extended time of like repression, Mm. the gut feeling was sort of like not allowed to be a part of the conversation. So I think I'm kind of used to Mm. not listening to it. So it's hard to like tap in. That's real.
1: to Barefoot Tumaeus. This is Char. And this is Byron. We are joined here by our lovely friend Connie.
0: Uh, Hi everyone listening. Thanks for listening. My name is Connie Bernard. Um, I am the third Constance in a row.
1: Wow. They're keeping it constant. (sighs)
0: Yeah they are. It's it's something to do with the name. I am um, 20 years old but I'll be 21 on August 9th so you can tell me have a birthday if you want I guess. I currently go to school for computer science and a minor in sociology at Montana State University, and I really like to do things outside and things inside, but my favorite thing in the world is talking to people
2: Mm.
0: and getting to know them. Love that. Love that.
2: Well, let's get to it. (laughs)
1: Connie is a friend that we have connected to through various youth groups, but most recently we've been invested as co-leaders in the youth group that we've told you about Rebel. Uh, and through my friendship with her, I have been deeply inspired by a lot of her thoughts and our conversations that we've had in the past. So I think that's the main direction that I'm interested in seeing, uh, us go today. So Connie, Would you describe yourself right now as being in a process of deconstruction?
0: Oh, what a question. Uh, I think that process happened a long time ago.
2: Ooh, pest Yeah,
0: and just took everything apart and then have not put it back together and have walked away.
1: Wow, what do we call that interim space? Is that just like limbo? Theological limbo.
0: I don't know. Nothing.
2: Is, I mean, is it's it destroyed? <clears throat> it. I mean, there are there words. Are there words for it? Is like agnosticism too strong of a word? Ooh, hmm.
0: that's a great question. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think this this element of deconstruction was driven by like the fact that I saw the. The church that I was a part of and the larger like Christianity as a whole being very harmful to people that I cared about, hmm. and so it was sort of picking apart this message that was in theory all loving and all supporting, and then had been institutionalized in a way that was not. It's like.
1: The hypocrisy. Yeah. Stood out to you.
0: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And sort of. I feel like. I would pick up a Bible and like read it and be like, Oh, like I don't like how it's worded and I wouldn't mm. have like the context to understand like the historical context or like the cultural things of the time.
1: Yeah.
0: And it would just be like, I don't I don't like what that's saying. So it's it's hurtful to me or it's hurtful to people that I know.
2: Yeah. So it sounds like there's there was like um <laughs> this is gonna be a a bad example but uh, when when two animals that are not the same species have a baby, there are prezygotic <laughs> and postzygotic methods of of issues arising from the sterility of the offspring. Wow! So, Ken?
0: <clears throat> wow!
2: If you're tracking, wow! Sorry, this is just how my brain. Like, I love it. Heard what you were saying that you know that I, I heard two things in the, in what you were saying. It's the the postzygotic the you know what's the practice of how the church has failed to yeah. do all of the things lovingly that hypothetically God or the Bible should be saying. But also you're looking at the origin of, at the source of, of the faith that is the Bible or ideas of God, and you're looking like oh genocide not the biggest fan yeah. kind of that yeah or for like sure. misogyny
0: yeah so, not super great
2: so there's there's problems in potentially in the well itself in the water of christianity that you're like i mm, don't yeah. know if i okay now i'm with you now I understand. <laughs> it, was, it was a terrible like come around <laughs> no no it was good it was good i don't know why that connected was the the that i connected the <laughs> but you know not only the, the process of deconstruction of what you've been handed because of you know one of the bible bible verses says because of me or because of you my name is blasphemed among the nations mm-hmm. yeah. that it's not just Romans that the church yeah. yeah it's not just that the church has been shitty it's also that there's some work to do that isn't easy to do or wasn't coming naturally
0: yeah wait can you finish that thought is there more there no
2: not really i'm just clarifying of what i'm hearing of like because some people talk about deconstruction and blame the church mm. yeah right and some people talk about deconstruction and blame god Hmm. And, and blame is a strong word for yeah. it right? But you're you're identifying kind of both Yeah,
0: yeah I'd, I'd say I'm blaming right? both To use to use the word blame Definitely it's very easy I think
2: Interrogating both That's a good way to put it yeah
0: Yeah 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 interrogating sure um, I don't know I think it's really easy In the circles that I frequent To be able To look at the church as an institution mm-hmm. Like I feel like Study Sociology. <laughs> so, Ooh. yeah. So everything's about institutions and, like, the groups that we as a society create. So it's really easy to, to take that lens and be like, the church as an institution yeah. does X, Y, and Z, and, like, be, being surrounded by different groups of people who, are, who have talked about what the institution of the church has done, it's really easy to, like, look at that and blame or whatever the other word was. But I think I've probably paid a t- less attention to the other side of it, of looking in the Bible and looking at the roots of this religion and being like, ah, also not super jazzed about some of the things that happened there. But I, I think that's part of the larger picture of, I think I began this deconstruction because mm. of the institution of the church, but continued it because of, mm. like, what I was finding. Yeah in the religion
1: so it it opened the pandora's box so to speak yeah and then what continued to unravel was perhaps necessary to unravel but it was that catalyst of problem within the church that caused you to open that in the first place
0: yeah yeah for sure and i think i think it's it's funny like i've this past year heard the word deconstruction a lot of like oh i'm deconstructing my faith or i'm going through this and the people that are telling me about it, it's a very like new process for them, but for me, it's like oh, like, I've, like this has been something that's been happening since middle school, and like, the way that the people who are talking to me about it are framing it is like it's just a part of their journey and it will end, but for me, it feels like the beginning of the end, mm. if that makes mm. sense. Of like, I've been doing this for so long and it's it hasn't brought me back out this process it's just continued like showing me to the door
1: yeah what would the end be
0: wow it's like hard to articulate like not not believing in god anymore i think
1: so So an atheism yeah and that's that's one door yeah so would there be multiple doors but that maybe feels like the door that you're being led to
0: yeah i think there's always more doors and i don't think that one is like the correct door over another like i don't think that if someone walks through this like jungle of deconstruction and, and stumbles upon the door of like belief in god and like renewed whatever that's a bad door but I feel like...
1: <laughs> Bad door.
0: I feel like the door... <laughs> go back
1: to your door shop. <laughs>
0: where I'm at They're is, fixed. Yeah. Which is a terrifying thought mm. because it's something that I've grown up being told and believing. I was like a very like intensely religious middle school kid.
1: Yeah. Um, so the door also represents a death of something as well as a beginning of something that is entirely unknown.
0: Yeah. It's terrifying.
1: Yeah. Well, I feel like in this community and a lot of what Byron and I are really passionate about doing is an authentic dive into theology, into God, both as the deity or entity or essence that we understand and attempt to be in relationship with, but also the idea and constructs that surround that And I think that authenticity is one of the most important aspects of it for us. And so deconstruction has come up multiple times on this podcast Mm -hmm. because that is in many ways the expression of authenticity when someone has been in a contrived environment. Yeah. And so that journey is what I would consider, sorry, your journey is what I would consider to be in many ways the most authentic spiritual pursuit, Mm. even as it's leading you towards atheism. There is an honesty and integrity in that process, which I think is really important. But I recognize that where it's taking you right now is very scary.
0: Yeah, it's terrifying. I keep saying that word. Um, it's a good word. It's a great word.
1: <laughs> so let's start here. What I want to go to the beginning of where that box opened up. So yes, it was problems in the church. We've kind of talked about some of the church problems a little bit in the past, but I'm more curious that once that box was opened, where did things start to unravel for you theologically? That's a good
0: question. I don't know. It's it's hard to articulate, I think, for two reasons. Um, the first being I haven't really thought about the specifics in a long time. Hmm. And the second is that even when I was in this place of thinking about it, it, it wasn't ever a fully open environment that I let myself be in. It was Mm. like, I can't have these thoughts. Mm. These thoughts are bad. Like, I shouldn't even be questioning. Like, no, 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 it's okay. And not feeling like I could express it to my friends to a lesser extent and more so to my family of, like, this is how we're raised. This is who we are. Like, Mm. it's very important to adhere to these
1: Mm.
0: things. Like... One of the things my, I can't remember who it was, but one of my parents, but they're like, at the end of the day, we just want you to believe in God and be happy. And I like the second thing, but the first thing, like, <laughs> is pretty terrifying of like, okay, these are the only two expectations that my parents have of me, and I feel like I can no longer ascribe to the first one. Mm. So, even even back to the beginning of this opening of the box, it was like, very secretive and, like, thoughts were pushed away and not, like, paying attention.
2: Yeah, I mean, oh, gosh, the pressure of you must believe. And belief is, to a large extent, not, I mean, in Reformed theology, some people (laughs) think that faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, to some extent, rationally speaking, belief is not something that you decide. Right. I don't suddenly Mm. decide, you know, I don't see something that people tell me I should believe and Mm -hmm. I don't suddenly believe it. Yeah. Right. Because brainwashing is also not a great (laughs) idea. So you can't just cause yourself to believe, to believe. And so if you start seeing that go, uh, like degree is off and continue going, then at some point you find yourself far away from, yeah, that sounds so stressful. Yeah, so it was hard, it's hard for you
1: to identify what some of those initial shifts were because that season of theological exploration was so repressed because of that context that you're in with your family.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: And like not just my family but like the general like yeah, communities that I was a part yeah, of. Yeah. yeah, it's like my whole world. Yeah. Um
1: yeah, what do you do when your whole world is wrapped up in an identity that you're starting to move away from?
2: And to demonize the process of doubt.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I well I think I think when I was younger, like doubt wasn't demonized oh. because people were always like, Oh like I'm going through this in my faith, but like, I know I'll be stronger in the end. Or, you know, like that kind of rhetoric of hmm. this is a hard thing, but like a challenge that God's given me. <laughs> um, but I'll come that out <laughs> Yeah, I'll come out stronger on the end. So it wasn't doubt itself that was demonized, but I think. I think it. I knew that it would probably lead further than just out.
2: Mm. Oh, man. You had that yeah. thought already.
0: Why do you say, oh, man?
2: Well, it reminds me of an experience with my younger, or younger older. Uh, I have a sister with some disabilities and um, cognitive delay. And so she asks questions sometimes, you know, hoping for a particular answer. And if she ever gets no, the answer no, she gets really upset. And it's like, Hillary no has to always be an, mm. an available answer. Yeah, And the frustration of what it means to be encouraged to ask questions or encouraged potentially even to doubt, but to have like that door of yeah. actually, you know, the possibility of coming to another answer be locked, that's not actually the freedom, the full freedom to doubt. You have choice as long as you always choose this one. Right, <laughs> yeah, you, exactly, that's a great way to put it. I mean, that's, that's really frustrating. Mm. Something that's uh, been circling around in my head this whole time is the, is it Rene Descartes who says like, I I think, therefore I am? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. The the full quote, um, if it's understood properly and there's some translation things, there's like two quotes that kind of go, it's that I doubt, therefore I think, therefore I am. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So like thinking and doubting are actually in some ways the same thing, and either way, doubting has to you know you have to have the possibility of that answer otherwise it's it's yeah. a contrived controlled abusive potentially even like relationship hmm.
1: yeah that's it sounds like doubt in that construct is like waking up from the autopilot in some ways that you can think that you're thinking <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's not until you have challenged that thinking that you are actively thinking That's back to that Mm -hmm. that sense of, um, the authentic process of deconstruction that it doesn't have to go the whole route as it's gone for you, but to have some kind of challenge to the preconceived construct is necessary in order to take claim for it as your own.
0: Yeah, makes sense.
1: So here you are as this middle schooler, you're wrestling with these doubts that you're suppressing. You already have some, uh deeper understanding of where it's leading you and what do the next few years look like for you what
0: happens next Um, I think just a continuance of of a slow release of a death grip Mm. Um, Hmm. I think a lot of a lot of my faith as like a small child and like middle schooler was driven by fear and like wanting to conform and please to these communities, like please these communities that I grew up in and and was surrounded by and not knowing that there are other options.
1: So that Enneagram 2 energy coming out strong.
0: (laughs) Bada bing bada boom. Um, yeah, and I think in in middle school, sort of like what what happened, we're just danced around these moments. What happened is like a couple of my friends like had started coming out as like queer, and like hmm. this is what they were, and there was this moment of like I used to be a very a very conservative middle schooler, of like this is wrong, but they're my friends and I love them a lot, and so sort of being like how can this be right? If yeah. if my friends are good and beautiful people and yet, mm-hmm. like, this doctrine that I've been told tells me to, like, hate them and what they're doing is wrong. And sort of, like, dropping the doctrine and picking up my friends and, like, sort of shifting from this, like, I think in high school it was this shift to, like, oh, like, the rules and the outside, like, particulars don't matter as much like the main message of Jesus is to like love everyone and I can I can stick with that and that's great um and then just in college like this slow acceptance of really accepting the stages that I went through in middle school and high school of releasing and figuring out and, and thinking of my Like, on my own, what I'm feeling and believing and sussing out. And... Not arriving at the conclusion of not, necessarily.
2: Yeah.
1: At that time, it was just an external observation of other people who are queer and wrestling with the thought of the church not being an accepting place, but these being good people. Yeah. And... Yeah, I'm thinking of this quote or this image from the book Velvet Elvis by Rob Bell, where he describes religion or Christianity in particular often being constructed like a brick wall. And you take one brick out and the whole thing crumbles. Mm. And he was suggesting that we should have more of a trampoline kind of oh, religion, where you take a spring out and it still bounces that there are certain springs that aren't the main poles that hold up the whole trampoline. And so if you don't believe in infant baptism or yeah. the virgin birth or something that, baptism. you know, the faith doesn't need to be tied to that one belief. But it is interesting that so often Christianity and the way that most churches churches practice Christianity is kind of in that sense where you take one thing you, you lose one thing, you lose the whole bag kind of thing. Yeah. Which is just such an interesting image because that that's not really how anything else works. Like even a certain political party, if you disagree on one point, it doesn't mean that you, you leave that certain political ideology or, um, you know, if you disagree, if, you, if something in science is disproven, it's not like all science is wrong, then it's like they, they yeah. change it and keep going. So most things in this world are more flexible. But typically, religion and Christianity in particular is not very flexible. Which is very interesting. Anyway, so you have this experience and then this is like high school time, right?
0: Yeah. What are we talking about?
1: <laughs> Sorry, okay. Um, the reflecting on your friends and your, your queer friends and their goodness and the church's Non acceptance, yeah. like
0: middle school, high school, middle
1: school, high school. Okay. Yeah, and, um, you. Would you describe that as like a a core place where the the vice grip that you describe starts to like loosen up? Yeah. And. Do the doubts suddenly become like less repressed at that point?
0: No, I think. I think that it's been a very long journey of this release Mm. of like into up to it like incredibly recently of like a few months or whatever because it is so culturally important to me and those who are around me something i i volunteered at a camp uh like christian camp it was a young life camp what a strange time <laughs> um but I, like at the end of like my time there like the team that I was on we'd gone around and we were talking about like we did like questions to get to know each other and we did like what do you like to do for fun who's your mm. family like we'd move through that and like in like the last few days we like finally talked about faith which is very ironic for being at the camp that we were at um but when it got to me, I was sort of talking about how I feel like a lot of the groups that I'm a part of and the things that I do are because of the people yeah. um, that I interact with and really enjoy, and, like, I feel like there's a specific type of people that generally go to, like, the Christian functions, and that's mm. felt safe and, and what I've known, and so it, was, it makes sense for me to continue going to these things, because I know that the people will do X, Y, and Z, and... It feels familiar, and and someone turned to me, and she's like, are you, like, socially Christian, then? I was like, yeah, I feel like that's a a good way of describing it, of not really, like, beliefs or whatever, but the people. Hmm. Keep me coming back.
2: Yeah. I mean, for one thing, I'm not trying to, like, sit in... How do I put this? Um, like, what, bleh. For one thing, the word "ecclesia" that is usually translated as church, doesn't mean building. It also doesn't mean, like, the institution. It does mean the people. Hmm. So, you know, some some judgy young life girl can be like, oh, are you socially Christian? (laughs) It's like, uh yeah, isn't that kind is of that a the point? point? The love your neighbor aspect. And, mm. and like, not just love them in a mission sense, but like, enjoy your neighbor. Mm. Like, like your neighbor. Um, and I'm, I, you know, I, I hesitate saying that in some way because what I don't want to do is like, try to reach in and like, validate or redeem your sense of Christianity, yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to like yeah. stir up the the things and see like is there Christianity under here? Yeah, wear on back. You know, I, I, I want to be sensitive about not We'd doing have that. you
0: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes.
2: Um, I want to be sensitive about not doing that because I know how like harmful it can be. And yet, and and I'd love to hear maybe your response to this. Um, you you could just say like, yeah, shut up, Byron. Like that's that's part of the thing that's hurt me in this whole process. Mm. But I'm I'm just curious. And I think I have to work through so many things with this. I I grew up as a fourth-generation missionary kid. Yeah. (laughs) Like, mission and, like, getting people to be Christians is, like, so deeply ingrained. And I think there's such an existential fear for Christians. It's kind of like patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why why is the idea of a trans woman so, like, frightening Mm -hmm. to, to... like not affirming patriarchy, man yeah. it's because they look at something that is the source of all of their power, and they look at someone who says, "No, I don't need this, Right, and that's much you know not making huge that's comments. how
1: they, that's how they'd see it, right, that's not necessarily sure. how that person's
2: experiencing it <laughs> yeah, <but> yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure exactly yeah. <laughs> you know it it's much easier for you know I'm, I'm thinking sociologically large scale, it's much easier for, like, women to wear pants, for, like, people mm-hmm. to be brought up to the level... Yeah. Heavy air quotes, if you can't see... Can't see but, it. <laughs> you know, brought up to the level that men are at... Yeah. Um, ...than it is for... Then than it is for someone to disavow and just, of their own volition, walk away from the power of masculinity or wealth or Christianity, right? Christian supremacy. Um, and so there is this, like, existential terror of people, what, what's the fancy word, apostatizing or, mm, yeah, uh, like, turning away or something. Um, especially someone who hypothetically knows what they're walking away from. Yeah. If some random, like, someone who is who was raised as an atheist is like, yeah, your religion's weird. You know, it's pretty easy to say, like, yeah, but you don't get
0: it. Yeah, you don't know what you're missing.
2: Whereas mm. someone who has gone through the process, you know, you, you looked it in the face and was like, gosh, you really aren't worth all this stress. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I really I really want to be sensitive about about the integrity of that. You know, one thing that I hear often is people who leave the church, again, big air quotes, are doing so beca- not because they're leaving Christ or leaving God necessarily, but because they believe in God so much that they're identifying the ways in which the church is, that, that Christ isn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I... I'm I'm not particularly hearing that in your story um which is kind of fascinating to me but I'm also like do you think that's accurate?
0: Well, I just spitballing here. Please. Okay, sure. I have never if thought this that th- thought. It's getting good. Through, uh... <laughs> this is getting juicy. <laughs> I feel like um I don't know. I feel like I'll probably think about this days later and be like, "No, I disagree." <laughs> um, but I like in this moment reflecting on it, it feels like a lot of my faith when I was like four Mm -hmm. to 14 was very tied to the institution of the church Mm -hmm. and these Mm -hmm. larger messages of like, if you do this, you'll go to hell. Like, like we do this as good people. Uh, this is how we live our lives. These are the rules that we live by. We need to do these things. And yeah, I grew up on like the Bible stories and, and the messages from that, but they always mm-hmm. felt secondary to this great overbearing existential fear that comes with the institution of the church. So mm-hmm. I think in, in sort of pulling that one brick out and breaking that wall, it was just like I had this little baby, like, non-institutionalized faith that was just kind of there. And hadn't really been like poured into. It was it was all this wall. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so in in my like by church whatever, you're not worth it.
2: Anymore. By church, bye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> bisexual. Church, which would be really cool. Yeah. Oh,
0: wow. What a church. Um. In my like farewell to the institution of the church. There wasn't a whole lot left over, and Mm -hmm. I think that by the time I had like settled on this farewell institution, like, yeah, will I don't know. I mean, it's it's all a very non linear process, which makes sense. But in this in this settling of like goodbye, yeah, I'll see you later. There wasn't a whole lot left over, and at that time, like, you know, like the classic like you're in college, you hear different ideas, like people poke holes in what was already, like, pretty small to begin with. Yeah. And then it just kind of, like, dissipates.
2: Yeah. So, like, where the, where the typical, you know, frame is this idea of people worrying about, like, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you were get, you know, the bathwater was draining quick and you, there was no baby. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing that this instinctual, natural curiosity for spirituality was never allowed to be fed. And it was starved because people kept telling you to put plaster on that brick wall even as you watched it crumble.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Is there any baby left?
0: That's a great question. Um, I don't know, it's so hard to even in this moment be like, yeah, I am not really believing this right now. Instead of like, no, 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 like, I'm still holding on to this. Like, I still ascribe to all I the things I'm that like, I oh. was brought up for. Like, I have never articulated this before. This is terrifying. This is
2: awesome. Brought to you well,
1: live. Yeah. I hope you all feel the tension <laughs> in the room right now. This is awesome. And
2: I, I hope, you know, I hope that we, as people who've seen you go through this, have walked with you in, in some way. Like, I hope if anyone, you know, that you feel okay you know, talking about this and, like, safe, holding yeah. even things as, like, yeah, delicate and raw. Yes, I do.
0: Okay, yes. Great. Yeah, sorry, I didn't know if that was a question. We, yes, we have no judgment yeah, for yeah, wherever no. you are. Uh, I really for... appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, you guys are good. I'm glad to be talking about <laughs> this with you. Um, is there a baby? Yeah, it's so hard to not cling to this. Even so, fear of like, I think if someone, like, some church person out, like, as I'm walking to my car that I knew, if they intercepted me on my way to the car, my car after this, was like, so like, are you going to church? Are you still like religious? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Mm. Um, And yep, I'm checking the boxes. Like, my friend asked me the other day, like, he was like, are you going to church in Montana? And I was like, yes, I am. I'm doing XYZ. Like, look at me go. I'm like, I'm still doing things. Like, don't you worry. Let's not dig into it. I'm fine on the surface.
2: Wow. Because that's all it that ever was. Yeah. And as long as you can... Oh, gosh.
0: Huh. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe there never was a baby huh. in the bathtub. And I guess that doesn't mean that there could be a yeah. baby. I don't want to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but this metaphorical religious baby could appear one day, I guess.
1: Or spiritual baby, right? Because it doesn't have to be attached to any religious yeah, yeah, yeah. construct or institution.
0: A ghost baby, perhaps? Yeah.
1: Go like that ghost baby. <laughs> it feels like the sword of the broken religion that was stabbed into you and is making you bleed out hasn't been pulled out yet. Oh. You know? and, and it's like, because you, you've you rejected and you have recognize, you fully come around to this idea that it's dying. You know, like you, you recognize there's no life there. Hmm. But you haven't pulled it out yet, so there's no way that there could be any kind of surgery to help you. You can't out- de- even in some. You're place. just bleeding out slowly right now. Sorry for the graphic imagery, yeah. but <laughs>
0: yeah, I just gotta take the sword out. What would what to? What is taking the sword out? What are you thinking? How does that metaphor extend?
1: I
2: feel like taking the sword out is saying "fuck Christianity." Hmm. I think uh, you know. Ironically, I don't know if it's Kierkegaard or Nietzsche. One of them says literally a leap of. Yeah. Hmm. And, and the image here is, is a canyon, right? In, in his idea, we're all born in this, like, dark canyon. And we just have to choose, right? And maybe we're, like, shoved up one side of the canyon wall. And we climb and climb and climb. And we get to the top, look around, and we say, oh, shit, that was the wrong side. Mm. Right? And so we can, then we have a choice, right? Do we, <clears throat> do we do all the work to, like, look around and say, like, this is good enough? You know, do I settle yeah. with subpar spiritual food and healing and and all of these things if if such a thing feels necessary? That's a that's a question I would be curious in asking. Or do we do the work to like say you know to to either climb down or to jump into the next thing, not knowing that it's good? Right. There's mm-hmm. a quote that my dad says um, that you know it it is not so important what we jump towards as because we can't know that it's far more important that we walk away what we know to be bad
1: walk, walk, away, walk, from, from,
2: walk, walk away from walk away bad. yeah yeah what what did i say i don't know walk, walk away too but it's yeah. yeah yeah and so literally i mean they would call it a leap of faith yeah but it's not a leap of faith in god necessarily like i, I agree to some extent you know where, where, is your, where is your faith? Where is your trust? If it is, like, in, I, I don't know, like,
1: yeah. I'm hearing the words of Jesus going through my head where he said, you have to lose your life to find it. I'm mm-hmm. thinking you have to lose your faith to potentially find anything spiritual mm-hmm. of life. You know, the only way to come to any kind of faith on the other side is you have to go through that door. You know, I feel like you, you, you're done walking to a certain extent. You've done the processing. Yeah, it's like You've right, reached this I'm plateau there. and you're, you're there standing before the door, but you're just afraid to go through the door because you don't know what's on the other side. And, and I don't know what's on the other side for you, but I know that where you are right now is not life.
0: I don't think the fear of what's on the other side is keeping me from opening the door. I think it's the fear of the people that I'm leaving. Mm. On the other side of the drawer and yeah. and their what they'll think and what they'll say, and mm. what, and what I'll have to tell them.
1: Yeah, that's really tough. Yeah, wow. I'm just there's so many different, like related things that I'm thinking of, like even just someone coming out as queer. Mm. Like there is a kind of abandoning this false image of your past self that people mm-hmm. were clinging to, that you you have to let go of in order to be able to fully embrace your true self. But that comes with a kind of death. It's not a death of anything yeah. that was actually alive, but is the death of the conception that other people had of you, where they will have to choose whether or not their relationship with you dies with that fake image. That's not on you.
0: Hmm.
1: That's something on them. But that's really scary because then you're putting it in their hands.
0: Yeah. And I could have kept it close.
1: Yeah. But I I just I don't feel like that's life.
0: Ah Connie! I'm a therapist. Sorry. No 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 in a good way, in a good way.
1: How are you feeling right now? Good. Yeah? Ten out of ten. Okay. You're not feeling stressed, nervous, uncomfortable. I feel calm. You do, wow.
0: Zen. Well, not zen. I feel like uh, laundry that's being washed mm. that will mm. then hang up to dry. Yeah. So it's a hard process, but you'll feel clean yeah.
1: Do you have any ideas what's on the other side? I mean, you're like I don't or, even know or, if there or is or a what ghost Or what do you
2: even? What do you hope is on mm. the other side? Yeah, great, great question. question. What What are the needs that you have that you feel like aren't be weren't satisfied? Aren't being like, what do you hope is on the other side?
0: Peace. Hmm. I had this thought the other day, and it was a very terrifying thought of why why am I living my life by the rules of something I, I no longer believe
1: in. <laughs> Say that again with the people in the back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's, it's terrifying. Like, what, on the other side, who am I? What rules do I ascribe to?
2: Because the only thing that's going to go through that door is you. Yeah, what mm-hmm. so What do you... I
0: follow? Ooh! So, you, <laughs> okay.
2: so you, you need to, you can't depend on, I mean, you can depend on people because, you know, there will yeah. be people on the other <laughs> side of that door, I promise you. Yeah, we're, we're, we're right there waiting for you.
0: Thanks.
2: Thanks. Raising the glass. <laughs> Cheers. You know, but the only thing that is going to pass through that door is you. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. And you need to, like, that's the one thing, I think, that whatever it is, that means for you you need to believe in yourself going through that door or pulling you know you're, you're, you're pulling the sword out of something mm. right and it is acknowledging the pain of like ow I'm pulling this out of I'm mm. removing this from the true me that has been here all along that I don't e- like. Yeah. like do you know who the you
1: is that would pass through that door who are you Connie Bernard <laughs>
2: <laughs> this I, was the question I wanted to I know there <laughs> yeah, you full it. circle oh, who <laughs>
0: Well, I mean This is a very similar conversation that I've had with my therapist one mm. time of like I was talking through like changes that I wanted to make in my life. And I was like, but well, who who will I be after this? Who mm. like what if I turn into a bad person? What if what no. if doing these things like goes against everything that I stand for and like I am no longer someone that I would be okay with being. Yeah. And I'm spacing on a response right now. Full we'll circle back. I'm to sure that. It was wise. <laughs> um, she said something to the extent of, like, I wouldn't change that much. And we, I think I was really afraid of turning into this, like, incredibly mean person. Mm. And,. I brought up this example of a time when I was in a place where no one knew me and, like, no one had any preconceived expectations of me. And I was like, Autumn, like, I was really mean to someone mm-hmm. when I was there. She's like, okay, well, what did you do when you realized that? And I was like, oh, well, and I apologized and I tried to make amends and we moved on. She's like, that's, that's what's going to happen when you make these changes and you, you shift in your life. If you make a mistake, when you make a mistake, you will still have the capability to make amends or or do whatever you need to do so probably a similar answer of walking through this door Mm. who will I become what will I become I don't know yeah
1: you just need to grant yourself the freedom to make mistakes yeah because where you are right now is terrain that you're very comfortable with and you know how to navigate that terrain without many mistakes
0: yeah for sure
1: into the unknown (laughs) (laughs) We talked about where you hope to be, which to me feels like an emotional space. And I'm wondering if there is any aspect of spirit within you that you have some kind of drawing or yearning, any kind of impulse that maybe doesn't fit the category of emotion or thought and it's okay to say no or you don't know.
0: I don't think I'm fully understanding the question. Sure,
1: sure. So when when people talk about like the different aspects of self, there's the mind, you know, we can think through things. There's the body and that's like our mm-hmm. mechanism through which we engage with the world. There's what we call the heart or, you know, emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like feeling. But then there's also what maybe some people would call the gut. Other people would call instinct is somewhat comparable to what I would consider to be that which goes beyond the emotion and the thought, but is still giving us direction, is still giving us some kind of pulse. And so, if we were to call that your spirit, is there any kind of instinctual drive to Like, what's my gut feeling? Yeah. You just, yeah, very... (laughs) (laughs) Summarized what I'm saying.
0: I... I think in in this sort of, like, time, like, extended time of, like, repression,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the gut feeling was sort of, like, not allowed to be a part of the conversation, so I think I'm kind of used to mm. right. not listening to it, so it's hard to, like, tap right. in. That's real. Too.
2: I vibe real. with that a lot. Mm-hmm. right? I was talking with my mentor, and she was talking about this idea of, like, you... <clears throat> You stepped into, and in my case as a bi person in the church, like, you stepped into an environment where your soul or gut feel, like, mm-hmm. knew or, or thought that it might not be safe. Mm-hmm. So what you did was you set your brain on a scouting mission mm-hmm. way ahead. Yeah. And Oy. did all of this amazing, like, theologizing and, and work and whatever. And, you know, your, your, your soul or your, your mind and your body continued to, like, grow and develop. You know, but my, my queer little soul like got stuck at twelve yeah. mm-hmm. because I didn't let it get fed mm-hmm. because I was afraid of it of allowing it to be hurt or disappointed, and so then finally you know my brain scouts ahead and figures out some affirming theology or something and finally comes back to it and like it now now I have like a malnourished soul where it's like, gosh, I have, you know, I have the body and the the mind uh, of, like, a mature kind of person, but I have this, like, this little Mm. gut feeling that that feels like it's been neglected for so Mm. long, so how do I, how do I help that, heal that, trust that, Um, like, what's the process there, Mm. what are the needs, what, what is that, what is the wisdom that 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 spirit knew it would be or wouldn't be safe in. Mm. I don't know if that comparison or image kind no, of it makes feels sense. feels very similar. And so so what do you do? Yeah.
1: And I feel like that starved soul can have two reactions. One is that it can... If we think about an animal that is in a pen that's been you know locked up in, in a cage or something for a long time, it can either learn that that is safe because that's what it knows now, even if it's not good. Mm-hmm. And so your soul can continue to defer to the scouting mind or whatever else, even as you try to listen to it, try to give it more freedom or it can go rambunctious and take you all sorts of ways out of control in a way that you might retroactively reflect on like with uh, regret and then like put it back in the cage like I, I've seen it go both ways, so that's another aspect. It's like how do you how do you allow yourself the freedom to explore outside without judging where it takes you, right? To not close that door again. Yeah. Mm. Like to to have the options open. Because huh. you'll learn. You ha- if you haven't been outside, you won't know yet, and and mm-hmm. you'll you know explore in this whole, call it deconstruction, call it um, the the reconstruction process or. You know, any aspect of like invention of self, of of exploration. Um, It's a learning process that is in the unknown. And you'll start to paint a picture. You'll start to see the map more clearly as you've explored. Mm -hmm. But in that initial process, there's going to be a lot of stumbling over rocks you didn't see. Or, you know, jumping off ravines. (laughs) Like, you know, there is going to be chaos in that newness. And that's going to be really scary. To watch where it takes you, the thoughts that you have as a result of accepting something and and moving forward. All of that can be really terrifying. Yeah. How do you not go back? Let me know. (laughs) 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 Yeah!
0: I think probably a lot of self compassion. giving yourself the ability and the permission to stumble over rocks I don't think it would hurt to have people around you not like traveling with you but like not like doing it for you
2: Yeah. yeah. but
0: like alongside you um, I don't know though I think if I knew I probably would have walked through the door sooner hmm
1: are there specific people in your life that are? I don't want to say that they're holding me back, but like the the people who you're most afraid of leaving behind as you go through that door. Or is it more just like the idea of the church?
0: I think it's both. I think it's yeah. both. Hmm. They're both so important. Yeah. It's hard to lose either, or like think about losing either.
2: Hmm.
0: Because I feel like in this transition, I will lose, maybe lose some of the people that I'm thinking of and like, I will lose this culture of the church that has in both and two ways been so harmful and so limiting and so painful, but also been so life giving and incredibly important in my life and who I am.
2: Yeah.
1: Hmm. I'm imagining for you a church community that doesn't necessarily require any particular beliefs and is open to full conversation and meeting people where they're at and reconciling the er- errors that the church has gone through in the past.
0: Like Unitarianism.
1: Potentially. I think Unitarianism steers away from spirituality more than I would mm-hmm. would think of. like A way to enter into the uncomfortable of the areas that have been um, blasphemed. You know, the, the aspects of spirituality that um, have been uh, tainted, mm. you know, and to ask those questions, not mandating any kind of belief, not necessitating that anyone who enters into that community has any, um, you know, follows any kind of creed or can recite any catechism or anything like that, but that we're willing to ask these questions together and just explore together. Hmm. I don't know if if that church exists or if it maybe it does, but without the label of an institution, you know, maybe it is just Mm -hmm. the assembly of friends, of peers. I don't
0: know why, what's coming to mind is this post I saw, um, like the internet somewhere. And someone was talking about like, why do we, why do we glorify like these painful experiences that people go through as like religious of like, oh, I went through this really hard thing and like, it was a really spiritual moment for me. Mm -hmm. Like having dinner with my friends is religious. Watching the sunset Uh, is spiritual. uh Like, why can't we focus on those things? Yeah. I don't know why they came to mind.
1: Hmm. I agree with you. I, I do think those moments are very spiritual, or at least they can be. I think a lot of spirituality, honestly, is about um, having our eyes open, so to speak. You know, having our, our radar up. Like, if you are on autopilot through a sunset, you're not going to be able to mm-hmm. sit there and really recognize yeah. the significance of, of what you're observing, the beauty that is present before you, or the people that you have with you. You know, it's the friends we made along the way. That's <laughs> what, you know, like Smell
0: the roses.
2: hmm Well, and the wonder in the mundane. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think the traumatic experiences, the hard experiences, the reason why people reflect on them is because they're not expecting hope in those moments. Mm. And so when there is some kind of redemption, some kind of light in the darkness, it stands out in such contrast that they really can see it, that any kind of autopilot was shut down as they're going through that hard time to have such a contrast just blind them open. I think that might yeah. be one of the reasons why that really stands out for people. is like, the the ki- the quintessential spiritual experience. Yeah,
0: that makes sense.
2: But potentially that it's unhealthy to, like, seek it there. Yeah. Knowing that, like, yeah, it exists in the normal day thing if you know yeah. how to open your eyes to it. Like, yeah.
0: Someone yeah. the other day was talking about an incredibly hard experience that they went through. And they were like, I don't know where God is in this yet, but I'll find it. And I... No, like that is not. No, like there is no God in these hard things. Hmm. Like it felt, it felt very like gross to hear.
2: Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, way. and hear yeah.
0: That, hear that rhetoric instead of being like, this is just so. Like I feel like. In that in that mindset, which is, like, very much what I used to be, there is no room for lament, which is so mm. ironic because the entire book of, like, what is it? Lamentations. Lamentations. I mean, yeah. Lamentations is about that, of yeah. why, 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 and having no good answer. But I feel like there's this specific breed that is all sunshine and rainbows, everything happens for a reason, God has a plan. Yeah. When... When it all goes to like shit, like that's not what you want to hear and not I think what is healthy to hear in this like moment of pain when you just need to recognize that it's really, really hard.
1: Yeah, so maybe there is this glorification of suffering, of trying to find the light in the dark, but there can also be this undercutting, diminishing, invalidating of the suffering, mm-hmm. yeah as a space to be present in as a, you know, it sucks.
0: yeah. So
1: I feel like both sides of that is being potential at the same time in that, in that experience of not allowing the suffering to just exist.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think not to like undersell, it is an incredibly powerful thing to be able to see light in a very dark situation. Yeah. And that can be really helpful and healing for people. But I think too often that is used to minimize and
1: dismiss and especially from someone else. If I look at your suffering, right. and I say, yeah. just wait for the light to come yeah. through. You know, <laughs> I
2: mean, that, that's right. as harmful as the narrative we talked about a couple of weeks ago with uh, like chronic illness. Mm. You know, <laughs> we, we mentioned Pandora's box. I learned from my little brother the other week that the last thing to escape from Pandora's box was hope.
0: Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah.
2: That it's not um, a good thing yeah. <laughs> to some extent. Like,
0: mm-hmm, for sure.
2: That, you know, Pandora's box is the thing that held all the monsters and ho- all the evils in the world. Yeah. And for the last and strongest, like the last and worst of the evils and monsters to escape from this box of horrors, to be hope is crushing. That's so interesting because
1: I'm, you know, I'm familiar with that as well, but I had a very different understanding of that. My understanding was that you can't have hope as a positive thing. Without all those ne-
2: negatives being present. I mean, maybe, but that sounds like that kind of silver lining type of, like, mm. oh, you can have hope at the end of all of this hard shit, right? Like, I I think,
1: like, why would you need hope if you have everything going for you? I think that's what I, where I see it.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm reminded of the episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> yeah. When like spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the show. <laughs>
2: we talk about the show like okay. season two, episode yeah, it like sixteen. Yeah, right after fourteen.
0: Yeah, right after the Serpent's Pass. Right after Appa's gone, and right. Aang has this line of like he reads it on like the post, and then he's like, we <laughs> we need to abandon help uh-huh. and like, it's a kid's show, so of course by the end of the episode it's, like, all okay again, and the the baby that was, like, about to be born throughout the episode is named Hope, and it's a very sweet moment. And then they abandoned
1: the baby, because they were told to abandon Hope, so... Well, they abandoned (laughs) the baby with the parent.
0: (laughs) But I think, I think for Aang throughout that episode, like, in his time of unimaginable grief and pain, it's an insult for Aang. Like, you have to be able to, like, healing... The process of healing involves hurting,
2: mm.
0: and hope does not allow for the hurt.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I think about any wound, like oftentimes the worst part of it is the itchy. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the wound starts to heal and then it just like itches like crazy, mm-hmm. and you just want to scratch it, and it's like you you can't have the healing without that process, or maybe there's pain also in the healing talking about that sword in you, you know, like yeah. it's painful to pull it out. Yeah. But you, the healing can't take place until you've done so.
0: Turn that out. Rip it out.
1: Like a band-aid, it off. Start
0: bleeding perilously.
1: And that might happen too. Yeah. And to me the question is do you feel safe where you're at, bleeding out? Do you have people to care for you? Do you have the kind of support that you would need? Do you feel safe within yourself to be in that vulnerable of a position? Ooh.
0: I think I am incredibly fortunate enough to be surrounded by people that I feel safe with. But the question of do I feel safe with myself, yeah. that is an ever-continuing question of will will I truly... If I pull the sword out, will I truly allow myself to... Follow that path wherever it leads, or will I continue to do this sort of like repressing of like no, no, like we can we can we can step back and check all those boxes and and go back through that door and be just mm. fine.
2: Right. I think of and any sort of spiritual practice, but particularly the way that Christianity is often talked about is like, and but but yeah, any spiritual practice is far less of a heart transplant and far more like brushing your teeth. Hmm. Yeah. Right. It's not a one and done. You have to have, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, and maybe it's like doing laundry. Like, you can save it up a little bit, but you got to do it. <laughs> Otherwise, you're so left fun. with nothing. Yeah. Mm. You know, you're left with your grubby clothes. <laughs> that, you know. Yeah. And so, and honestly, like, there is, and there is and there should be freedom. I, I know some spiritual mentors who would say, like, yeah, don't, don't, don't do this alone. Like, please find a find a, a safe group or or like someone who mentors there are like spiritual healing people and they're not they don't have to be christian like mm-hmm. literally there's reiki healing there's like you know a lot of buddhism is an idea of like what is the self that is left once mm-hmm. desire is out of the way mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah yeah
2: like there there are good options out there that are relatively tried and and tested yeah um That's such an
1: interesting thing that you bring up, Byron, because I feel like deconstruction and, um, in many ways, this apostatizing that you're talking about, uh, feels like one of the most individualistic things I can think of, that it really is taking a collective identity like a faith practice or, you know, institution that you're a part of one of a body and you're saying, I will go from being a part to separate to one. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I, I think about that and really not until you just said that now, I've only ever thought of deconstruction as an individual process, Mm. but I'm like, what does it look like to deconstruct together with people or to reconstruct together or to just make space in that messy process to be with other people who might be at that same place or might be at other places. They could be, you know, co-wanderers or they could be guides. But to have people that you are in that process with, because right now I feel like the experience, Connie, that I hear in the shame, the repression of any doubt, and then that journey, and the place where you're at right now, this sense of like not wanting to leave people behind—all this to me screams isolation. You know that that there is this isolation internally that you weren't showing people, but there's still this mirage of community that you're connected with, hmm. and in some ways it's to like acknowledge that isolation is that final step of like, no, I am actually leaving because I never was really there. Mm. And all of that feels so lonely. And like, what if it didn't have to be lonely? What if, what if you're not actually leaving anything behind, but you're stepping out into what is there for you?
0: Yeah. And not being able to be fully authentic. Yeah. That's what's creating this isolation, whereas stepping through that door and being able to admit this is where I am at invites connection, like authentic connection, even if it's
2: rocky. Because then whatever you're connecting with, you know that it's the actual you and you don't have to carry like extra costumes and masks with you to like, okay, who am I interacting (laughs) with today? Oh, I'll put on this mask. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what do they expect of me? Yeah. The play of the code switcher. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's ironic that that a conversation about abandoning a faith technically requires so much faith absolutely
1: mm-hmm.
2: Right I have I, I, I have thank not a worry in the world uh, about your process. Thank you because I have faith in you. I mean from my own spiritual tradition, technically I, I have faith. In, in God, yeah, and that doesn't need to project on onto you. Hmm. Um, you know, the, again, the last thing that I would want is for some expectation that anyone has over you to like haunt you through the door.
0: I feel like out of anyone placing expectations on me, neither of you are doing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> But like, and this is what I might say to other, to like other Christians out there who are listening, people who might be like, "Oh, these Christians like telling (laughs) something." Get out of here. like, if if my grandma or someone decides to listen to this and is just horrified, where is your faith? Hmm.
1: Hmm.
2: Where is your faith, and do you have enough for yourself? And and so that if you don't, then don't try to put it on anyone else, because you need enough for yourself to walk through any sort of door that, you know, the the bravery and strength that I'm seeing absolutely from you.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I mean, part of me wonders if if I had the freedom to have walked through this door sooner, would this mythical baby in the bathtub that we talked about earlier if it existed at any point, like would I still have some remnants of it? It feels like in, in staying for so long, so much has gotten destroyed. Like so much has mm. been it, washed it's away.
2: Dissolved in the acidity. Of yeah. The
0: yeah. So if I had the freedom to leave tarmac. earlier, like would, would things have still like remained? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah.
1: No, it totally does. That like, has that, starving ghost baby
2: been <laughs> utterly starved to death yeah. or is there some life left yeah. well and, and here's again this is the source of my confidence that if there is anything if there's any truth in the world it can it can handle hmm. it can handle whatever is thrown at it yeah. you know so you know again not mapping anything onto you but sure maybe that maybe that baby died some way or you know or left in that way and you're gonna walk through that door and you're gonna find an actual mature adult maybe <laughs> <laughs> like you don't you don't need it to be this like baby that is dependent on your you know like desperate belief in right i don't know if that image or metaphor makes sense oh, yeah. can i give a really weird image sure
1: okay i hope you're not turned off by this but okay. i've been doing a lot of fermentation. Mostly kombucha. Yeah. I got Recently, I've had some issues in our kitchen where it just seems that everything, not even the fermenting foods, but like everything (laughs) is going bad. It's like there's probably some bacterial strain that's just kind of like floating around the kitchen. But the thing about bacteria is like you don't see it until it becomes a big enough thing to acknowledge a colony. Mold Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, mold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it doesn't mean it's not there and it doesn't mean it's not alive. And I think... So often, when we think about life, we think about it from an uh, uh, anthropocentric uh, view, I where it's like, where it is not life until it is. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, when does the baby count as a baby? You know, is mm-hmm. it at in- conception or is it at birth? Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but like, like there's you're this... making post-psychotic, like, science boy <laughs> happy. <laughs> and. You know, we we have this idea of like nothing to something, and so it's like okay, well, if you kill that thing, then it's gone. Right. Mm. And maybe it's invisible and essentially, for all extents and purposes, non-existent and gone. But just like your friendly kitchen bacteria, it's still it's still there, and you can't see it, and it might not collect to a colony until years down the line, but that doesn't mean that it's not still there. And if we think about bacteria as truth, I think that there's always truth around. Mm. And I think truth intersects with everything. And it, it, it doesn't have to be a theological truth. It could be like, that door, you know, like if you crank the handle it, it, and pull it, it opens. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that is something that I've tried many times and it works. Yeah. There, there's <laughs> truth there. You know, like we, we can look at truth from a scientific perspective, a sociological perspective, any kind of perspective, there is truth all around. Truth is never going to die. As long as reality is a thing, truth is a thing. You know? And so there's this expression, all truth is God's truth. And that is something that I think has probably been weaponized in negative ways. It's also just kind of become a Christian cliche. But I think that there is space to, like, reclaim and liberate that idea that an authentic spiritual pursuit doesn't need to be thinking about this, you know, bearded man in the sky, Please but it's, no. yeah, <laughs> you know, but, but thinking about pursuing what is good, pursuing what is true and seeing where that takes you, following mm. both your, your head, your heart and your spirit and the gut, and the gut. you know, where all the good bacteria is going. That's all, all that truth in the gut. We well, have yeah, full circle. circle right there. <laughs> I'm very pleased with that.
0: One. I think like part of me is like, I, if I, I need to be okay with the baby being
2: Right. Dead. Yeah. Absolutely. And
0: gone and yeah. never returning yeah. in Please. this journey of stepping through the door. Please.
1: Totally.
0: And if the baby comes back to life and is like a weird zombie baby of sorts. <laughs> er, sort of zombie zombie yeah, with lots of good bacteria inside of it, then, <laughs> then so be it. But I think at this point it's like the baby is gone.
1: That lament. That's you true. have to make space for the lament. Yeah,
0: like I cannot have that hope. I can't have hope yeah. as I walk through this door. you are not to. really walking
1: through the door. Yeah,
0: like I can't get. I can't get caught up in this.
2: Yeah.
0: Cycle again of like.
2: Right.
0: Doubting but not really doubting and not being sure but really being sure. It's a good word. Just got to walk through the door.
1: Just gotta walk through the door. I love it. I feel like that's a great line to end on. <laughs> Just got to walk through the door. Any, any other things? Is there you're anything like... you want to say before we wrap up? Um,
0: thank you both for creating this welcoming space. Um,
1: not just welcoming. Affirming. 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 To make
2: clear we're not just welcoming. <laughs> not on. just affirming. Advocative. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever,
0: whatever you got. Thank you for making this space. Add whatever words you want onto it. I'm
2: brave space.
0: Yeah. Ooh, ooh, brave space. For allowing me to, to say these things and listening and asking good questions. It's been terrifying but good to talk about these things that I've thought about for a while but Mm. not articulated
1: Connie thank you so much for coming here this has been a phenomenal conversation that I know I'm going to be thinking about for the next while (laughs) I almost want to revisit this with you in a year or so and just see kind of just like taking tabs of like how this process is going yeah
0: yeah. well thank you for having me put me on the books yeah I'm down all
1: right y'all May you find wonder in the mundane, hope amidst the chaos, and comfort in the love that makes you you. Go in peace.